can't believe people think I walk around with a live golf t-shirt now. Is that what this has become? Honestly. You have sort of tidied yourself on the live golf fanboy. I mean, well, I mean yeah, you're, not, but... you're not one of those annoying people on Twitter who are just Trump, live, right wing. I think it's quite rare that people are in sort of the middle ground in this situation, aren't they? Is that what you're, yeah. you're, you're, t- you're telling us you're like right of centre? Yeah. When it comes to live versus PGA Tour. My right foot's just dangling over the fence on the live side, but... No, I, I I don't pick sides. I'm a lover of golf. None of this petty side picking. Just here for the love of the game, Alex. How was your weekend? Not bad. Halloween, isn't it? Spooky season. Went to well, I say I went to a Halloween party and uh, me and my two mates were the only people there not dressed up, which was I would say it's pretty shameful, isn't it? Really, just wasn't in the mood. Wasn't in the mood to dress up. Well, you're you're still at an age where I think it's okay to dress up. I yeah. Think once, once you get to a certain look. I... I'm sort of worried that I'm positioning myself as the grumpy old man of this. Yeah, podcast. you are a bit. But I'm, I'm, I'm not that at all. Like I love. It's so funny because people say to me, "You don't like Christmas, do you? You don't like Halloween?" And I'm like, "No." And you said it to me last week. You don't like Halloween, do you? That's not who I am at all. Like I love these things. I just think that sometimes people, not necessarily go over the top, but I think people just take things a little too far. I know Torquay took a battering on Saturday, didn't they, as well? Torquay so took might, a you're already, you already look a bit fragile. I feel like if I asked about your weekend, it might get even worse. But go on, how was it? I was there. Oh, uh, you were there? Notts County, yes. It, well, it's only an hour from my house. They charged £22.60 no, to get into a conference game, which, so already I was annoyed. Wow. I mean, at least Robin Hood wore a mask. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. In that film where he's a fox, he did. <laughs> so I was already annoyed. We're bottom of the league. Notts County are top. They've won something stupid like 10 in a row. So, yeah, that was a bad start to Saturday. And I had to get the train there as well because car sharing issues. So I started my Saturday on a train to Nottingham with a bunch of orange people drinking like those gin and tonics in a can. Orange people. Like flame. Yeah. We know that. You know how like, well, I don't want to say girls because it's not just girls. Well, I know that's what they're saying. Yeah. But in this in this instance, it was girls. But I know guys do this as well. You know when they just do that like orange face thing and you can see the white around like their hairline where they just haven't oh, quite no. gone in far enough. And it made for some interesting people watching. So there weren't many trains on between where I live and Nottingham. And I had to cram into this tiny carriage with dozens of Oompa Loompas, which <laughs> made it even more unbearable when I got there. And But then I went to see John Richardson in the evening, and he's a very, very funny man. It felt like there was no one else in the room, and I'd gone to see a one-man show where he was just talking about my life to me. So there was lots of relatable content, so I, I had a thoroughly <laughs> lovely evening, and I would highly recommend you go and see him. I don't think I get any commission for telling people that they should go and watch John Richardson, but he is on tour until, I think, May. Other comedians are available. I might tweet him and say, listen to this podcast. P.S. Give me some money. He's probably already a fan. I hope he is. Right, let's start with Live Golf because their inaugural, inaugural, that's a fun word to say. They love using that word, don't they? I love using that word now. The Golf But Louder first season is done and dusted. Done and dusting. Oh, forget it. 
Right. Let's just straight out the blocks. Has it worked? Yes, it has worked. It has worked purely just from the facts. Look, all the guys and if we'd had this conversation back in June, when do you remember all the memes that were going around about all the guys <clears> that signed <throat> and the strength of their field for the first event in London? And now to be where we are now, I think if you just look at it in terms of that, of course, money talks, doesn't it? But it has worked. We're now going to get into the ins and outs where you might disagree. And I actually don't agree that it's worked in some parts, but I think just straight up, has it worked? Yes. And you've got to look about, you know, we're talking about it now. Everyone's talking about it still. That's what they wanted, wasn't it as well? So let's, let's just break it down. Players, they've obviously got some big names. They've obviously got some no marks. There was that New Yorker piece a few weeks ago where the Gulf Saudi CEO had suggested at some point where they weren't going to get the players they wanted. So they just said, basically, go out and get some mediocre players. It doesn't matter. Well, they did. There was no suggestion about that, was there? I mean, look at the first event. Like I just said, people, everyone was mocking it, weren't they? And I was at the first event. God, that feels like years ago. And it was like spot, spot the spot the good golf, spot the recognisable golfer, because there was like there wasn't any um, really. And like you say, from that New Yorker piece, what did he say? That it was almost just get in whoever you can now, fill the numbers and it'll all work out. And to that extent, if we're just talking about players, it, it sort of has, hasn't it? And we're still only at the beginning, really. Well, I think a lot of their thing at the start was let's fill it out with lower end players who aren't necessarily superstars or just starting out in the game. As soon as we start dishing out the big prize money to these lower level players, then the upper level players will start going, well, hang on a second. I should be earning that money because I'm one of the best players in the world. And that was the whole thing, wasn't it? That's, you know, that's how they were thinking they were going to get the Cam Smiths of the world and players who were obviously the, the players they went after, the Phil Mickelson's, the Ian Porter's. There's obviously been a lot said about how they were coming towards the end of their career. But if they were going to get players in their prime, you know, in certainly in terms of Cam Smith, uh, uh, about as, as fresh a major champion as you can get, that's what they had to do was entice them with with the big paydays. I mean, it was almost like at the beginning, they you want, they wanted to one of two things. And, and in the end, they got the latter. So it was almost they wanted one of these complete unknowns to win an event, didn't they? So then it was like, look, this Randy's just won four million. Or they wanted a little bit of profile and to have some their only their few big names at the time winning events. And to be honest, that's how it sort of played out, didn't it? You know, if you look at all the winners, every winner except for what Chikara, but then he had a, his own backstory to that win. They they all got they all sort of got the winners they wanted in terms of a from a visibility standpoint, didn't they? You know, Shorts all won, Stenson won like a week after you know turning his back on the Ryder Cup. Cam Smith won on like a second event. DJ won an event. Brooks had his first win in, in ages. And I saw a quote from DJ yesterday after the four races GC got the W, and he was saying you couldn't have drawn up Liv's first season any better in terms of like winners and scenario and to an extent, yeah, and, and and I'm gonna now have a sort of counter to all this in just a second, but you actually really couldn't have, you know, in terms of winners. And and another big thing I think they had, and we're gonna inevitably get to this, aren't we, in the next season or whatever if they stick this format. But every single winner won playing the 18th, didn't they, during their whole season? And it was almost again going back to like you couldn't have written it better. That's exactly what they would have wanted. Because it would have been a bit, I mean, they've had their fair share of embarrassing moments, but, and I'm intrigued to see what happens when this does. But like, you know, if like a Randy wins on like the fourth hole or something, it's just, it's going to be just really weird, isn't it? But that didn't happen at all. They had all their winners that came on the 18th and they were all sort of big names, like I say, except for Chikara. But that was, if anything, that was actually probably 
the best thing for them was to get this guy who did sort of push from college get a win and suddenly he's like a multimillionaire. Well, um, sorry, just to interrupt, I think you I think you make a good point there because one of the one of the things we talked about certainly uh, and I know I, I I'm absolutely not the only person to have vocalized this is that one of the concerns we had was that what do you do when everyone's crowded round 18 as they would be at a regular yeah. 72 hole stroke play event and the winner is sinking his winning putt on the the 15th or the the third or whatever like that was inevitable it almost happened when Dustin Johnson won didn't it but Westwood flumped his yeah into wow. the bunker that's probably the closest they got to it I think yeah um, so that yeah that was the the big concern wasn't it and, and as you say inevitably it will happen at some point it will happen that someone will have a good final day and win on the 15th 16th or whatever and nobody will be there to see it but perhaps it it will work perhaps the fans will work out that hey Brooks Kepka's having incredible days he's on course for a 62 and let's head over to 15 and see him finish um I don't well know. the hope is by when that does happen you know this was the pilot season wasn't it now that now when that does happen they might have gained enough traction that like you say there'll be enough fans there and stuff that it'll actually in the end it might it'll be fine and it actually might become quite like a unique cool moment if someone does win on a random hole but i don't know we'll get to that so i mean yeah players yes it's been a success hasn't it money talks they've lured in some big names they've got all these major winners great i i wanted to get your thoughts sort of on the format now has the format worked because i'm i'm a little bit undecided is that why you're asking me is it oh yeah exactly I'm, undecided, no, I'm, so I'm, I'm torn because i i do think the shotgun just the shotgun i'm not sure about 54 holes i, I get it's a usp um i mean it's that name for god's sake i think for what they're going for and the shotgun stuff i think the shotgun stuff worked and i think I, I do like the finish. I think most people that watched it, I mean, I've been, I've watched pretty much every event, but I've always tended to just tune in the last few hours on on the Sunday, right? And then I think it works really well with the shotgun, like, and it's pretty clear who's ahead and you can, I don't like how they jump from shot to shot because of it, but that's more, you know, from the broadcasting standpoint, isn't it? Rather than probably the format. But I mean, what do you think about it? I've always been, I've, I've always been one of those people, incredibly boring answer. I've always been one of those people who, really enjoys it when the tours do something a little bit different you know when we have a week of match play when we have a week of whatever like the belgian knockout for example on the dp world tour but i'm also fully of the belief that a 72 hole stroke play event is the best way of deciding the the purest yeah the, well yeah certainly that and also the, the the way of deciding the best player in any given okay, uh, yeah. tournament so the 54 hole thing well i mean yeah it is their name isn't it i mean what's what's <laughs> 72 in roman numerals l x it must be l x x i it's not gonna have the same ring to it is it 50 10 10 1 1 yeah so l x x i i <laughs> doesn't really yeah. doesn't really slide off the tongue quite as easily does no. it um yeah so the shotgun start I, again none of it none of it format wise none of it offends me it's just for me it's i don't agree that that sh- that 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 is the best way to find the best winner of the week because every single golfer is playing a different golf course because they're all starting from a different hole so they're all playing a different golf course. That's not the best way of deciding your winner for the week. And really, that's where my OWGR concerns come in. Right. OK. So, yes, there are the you know developmental tours, mini tours and things. They do play 54 hole events, but they meet all the OWGR standards. 
the uh, look, I don't I don't, I don't really want to go down the world rankings line, but this is sort of where it like so what I'm saying is as an exhibition, it absolutely works. I'm fine with it as exhibition golf. And that's how I've treated it this season. I've treated it as exhibition golf. I've turned it on if I've been in the mood to watch some golf and see how they're getting on and see what's happening. No point this season, apart from the first one in London, and that was out of sheer curiosity. And that probably reflects in the YouTube figures as well, which we'll come back to. Yeah. For me, at no point this season, I've gone, oh, it's live tonight. I'm going to put it on. In the same way that I would be sitting there, maybe perhaps just slouching on the sofa on a Sunday evening after a long weekend and just gone like, oh, McElroy's in contention this week or Justin Thomas is in contention or Jordan Spieth's in contention. I'm going to turn that on and see how he gets on. Like I've not had that at any point and no point ever gone, oh, I'm pretty sure DJ's near the top of the leaderboard. I'm going to tune in and watch and see how he gets on. It hasn't got that draw for me. I've only ever flicked on when I've gone, oh, I'll just I'll just flick on and see how it's getting on. And largely... That's because of my job, because it's my no, job but... to be on top of these things. If I was just a regular fan and I've had this conversation with my friends who are obviously in other jobs and not in this industry, who are equally as fanatical about tour golf as I am. And I ask them about it and they just they say it doesn't really do it for me. I'm not. And, and this isn't a criticism in any way, shape or form. This is just honest. It's just it doesn't really do anything for me. Like Brooks no, Pepper I... and DJ going down the stretch for for four million and nothing else doesn't really do anything for me at all well this is what i wanted to i just i mentioned that i had a counter to what i just said and this is exactly it right so i've just come out and said on paper you couldn't have drawn it up better you've had all these compelling winners you've had some great storylines you've had all these guys they've lured in um you've had and yet you know no one really cares still so going back to probably the initial question was a success well, there's your big, you know, counter, isn't it? Because everything's gone, everything probably has, has gone how they wanted it and better. But yet, no one really cares. And like, I put a tweet out, you know, you're saying about yourself and your job and whatnot, but I put a tweet out yesterday saying like, okay, this is it, their big finale, who's watching it? And it was like 90% of our readers said they weren't watching it. So there's your big problem, isn't it? Yeah, and I think the YouTube figures have reflected that as well because with the london one when they had a hundred thousand hundred and ten thousand or whatever it peaked at and everyone thought actually do you know what that's that's a pretty decent following if they can get a tv deal and stuff as well this could this could go places yeah but there was obviously some caution in that in that well that's going to be because everyone's tuning in to see what all the fuss is about see how they deal with it see how they deal with golf and things like that i mean we could talk all day about the commentary team we could talk all day about the uh, leadable graphics and stuff like that and I, I don't think we need to I think all that stuff has been said and I think that's I think all of that's quite good I in a weird way I don't really mind the over enthusiastic commentary team and, and, the, and the silly things they say because a it gives us something to take the mick out of and b actually just sort of fits with what live golf is and the f1 style leaderboard as well like it sort of fit and I do like it I it, I don't think it would work on other tours for obvious reasons but I do like it and I like the way they do it and I like the way they keep you engaged like that but for me obviously was it Bangkok when you know we turned on it had 13,000 YouTube yeah, viewers now they'll 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 just say oh well we had TV rights and they were thousands of people watch but you know we didn't they didn't have TV rights in America they didn't have TV rights in Europe and it was on YouTube for free and it had 13,000 people watching it at, at, at its climax, which is really, really poor. 
And I think even Sunday night, whatever it topped out on Sunday night, just they they will be looking at those numbers and just going, that's just not enough. I think how many golf fans there are in America and across Europe. And they yeah. have and it's so easy to watch. It's just a click on YouTube and you're there. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be, yeah, that's the big worry, isn't it? Which is why I guess for them landing the TV deal, which obviously is going to happen, but that's why it's probably so critical, isn't it? Well, they're going after commercial now. That's going to be the next thing, isn't it? They've got to sell off these teams. They've got to get a TV deal. So I was reading quotes from Atul Kuzla, I hope I pronounced that cor- uh, correctly, who is Liv's chief operating officer. Yeah. He, he's basically saying, I can sell this. I can sell this to big corporations. I can sell this to huge companies. But for this first year, I had to show the world what it was all about. And that's fine. That's sort of almost how every startup works, really, isn't it? But the big question is, can he sell it? Bryson DeChambeau said something. I, I, did he? I think he said it on camera last night, didn't he? Where he basically said, "How can you not want to buy into this or something like that?" Yeah. And well, I've just sort of laid out the reasons. Is that a nobody's watching it? You know, like I don't want to say a team. Let's let's just say Red Bull, for example. If if Red Bull had a live golf team, is that going to make more people want to tune in? It's not going to make me want to tune in. Just because a giant global corporation is behind a team, it's not going to make me want to tune in. It's certainly not going to make me want to support them anymore. No. I think you're right about that. But I mean, that's the only way the team aspect's sort of going to get going, isn't it? Because I think that was sort of on one of my next points was, well, has the team thing worked? That certainly for me, as someone who sort of watched every event, the team aspect has got a lot better as the year's gone on. I think that's actually been one of the probably big positives. And I think part most of that is because the chopping and changing around the beginning was just like a mess. And it was like, which wasn't, again, inevitable. That is a pilot season. But it was just like, that was one of the big flaws for me was that, you're really pushing this team stuff and it's just it's just nonsense like you've got these stupid names you've got who was it Richard Bland who's on about his fourth team by now um gone from being like the 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 cool wannabe uncle with the Kepka brothers didn't he to then in with the niblips or whatever they're called you got you got Richard Bland with like Chase Kepka Peter Uline and Brooks Kepka yeah he's just like so he's like the dad on the stag do isn't he yeah no, but, then come, right. but then by the end of the season, like suddenly the teams had, a, you know, every team had a bit of an identity. I mean, you knew who were in like the four races, you knew they were the Aussie teams and that, that, that you were sort of starting to get some camaraderie, weren't you? And I know the players, partly because like, most, most of them were brainwashed, but they were all coming out and really like voicing it about how great the team thing was. So that was certainly building towards the end. And I think if you now can get that, the team identities are only going to grow. And for me, like you spoke about that, oh, well, this is not 54 holes and the shotgun and whatnot. It's not a fair way for someone to win a tournament. Well, with that being said, do we need to make, do they need to make it that it's all actually about the team aspect? And because that, it, because the team aspect is more fair, isn't it? About who, that's more of an accurate representation of who has won. I think that's fairer than the individual competition. So do they really need to roll with the team aspect? Um, like you say, getting sponsors in, getting names, is it going to help too much? No, but I think building a team so that everyone knows who's in that team and, and building those team identities is going to help. I then, you know, the, the, the like it'll be secondary the sponsor and whatnot but i think that's what they really need to push on we've already seen progress of it and it'll be interesting to see how much that takes off i mean the names have got to change surely surely they've got to change i kept i thought i thought they'd have changed by now actually i don't know maybe i was well, I, i'm a, i'm sort of presuming that if a 
if a corporation comes in and buys them. So, for example, again, I'm going to use the Red Bull example, and I don't, I don't want people listening to take this as me having any kind of information on this because I absolutely do not. Red Bull may or may not be involved in or interested in buying a Live Golf team. I do not have that information. I've just, I've just plucked a massive corporation out of my brain. Um, so, if if Red Bull bought a team, they're going to be Red Bull GC. Surely they're not going to be, they're not going to be Smash GC. No, no, no. That'll all go. Maybe right, Wings yeah. GC or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, they, I, they, I don't understand why. I've just said about how sort of the team aspect is the thing that could win people over and could be their strength. I don't know why they really haven't built on that in terms of like even like yes, like this weekend it's the team championship, right? Why are they not wearing like the same? Yeah shirts and stuff why are they not really playing into that and they just weren't were they for me the the team aspect of it is the best bit about it all yeah like having the team golf thing now in an ideal world this would have been a situation where if you if if we just i know it's difficult to separate it from the sports washing and where the money's come from and all that but if we were just going to take this idea of a of a team concept where you've you've got individual tournaments week in week out on the PGA DP world LPGA whatever and someone whether it's Saudi Arabia or whoever came to the PGA tour and said look we want to have this team series that slots in around your schedule i think first of all we wouldn't have had all this we call it the civil war don't we in golf we wouldn't have had any issues like that i think it would have been in a situation where players would have been playing their individual thing and then they would have one week uh, every six weeks or whatever they're going off and they're doing this team event and that and that runs through the year alongside the pga tour yeah. and the world tour the same way that like the, the, like the wgc's do or whatever and you know they could have said right we've got x amount of teams the top x in the world rankings are going to be in these teams or i don't know the top 20 players in the world are the captains and they get to pick their three teammates or, or however they want to do it Look, I, I, I haven't put any thought into the ins and outs of how it would actually work. But for me, it was just the the, the overriding thought is that the, the team concept should have been the whole thing. It should have been their whole thing because that's what they're talking about. Exactly. They're all going, yeah, yeah, do you know what? It's actually really nice to win a shitload of money. But all they talk about is the team thing and how that was a massive draw for them. And they could have actually had this running alongside the PJ Tour and we probably would have had none of this, none that's of these issues that we've had. So late for that now, isn't it? Well, yeah, so of course it's too late. But well, I think I mean I'm I'm always a good person to have around in hindsight. Yeah, but I think I think for me as well, how they'll be looking at success is, and you've mentioned it a lot on the podcast, is this element of disruption, right? Like live golf are here to disrupt, and have they done that this year? Well, it's, you know, it's not even a question, is it? Like it's been as disruptive as anything we've ever seen in golf, anything we'll ever see. Uh, so they'll probably be looking at, you know, if they're looking at how their season's gone in terms of success, the level of disruption's got to be a big factor, right? And 100% they've done that. So looking at it purely from that standpoint, again, it's been a success, right? I, I don't really like that side of it. That's that's what makes that that that's the big turnoff for me. Yeah. I don't like that side of it at all. I, I just, I, but you know I what I mean? They, but you know what I mean? They they do. So yeah, they're well, looking at it like, like I, I turned on last night. And I caught the the last couple of holes of it, and then obviously that really annoying guy with the mic, like oh, terrible. the guy came out shouting, screaming, "Miami, how are you doing?" and stuff like this. And then he let's go. And then he, and, and then he, but what he did was he said, you know, he said, "Let's give it up for Eric Trump." Like that yeah. just sums up the whole thing. And then 
he said, let's give it up for someone from Gulf Saudi, I think it was. And then he said, you know, and let's put our hands together for the CEO of Live Golf, Greg <laughs> Norman. So for me, that just sums it all up. Can you imagine if at the end of the Masters, someone came out and said, oh, before we introduce the green jacket winner and put the jacket on them oh let's just give it up for fred ridley and he comes out and he's like giving it large it was everything that it shouldn't have been but also everything that i expected from them i think as well that that i get that their whole point is to be like this because they're attracting a new type of fan right but there's way more fans that are losing by being like that aren't they so i can't see how it's sustainable in terms of them being you know, you t- and you even said that you didn't have a problem with like, the over-the-top commentary and all that. But I think that is actually part of the problem. That's why the viewership is so low, because there's more fans they could attract from not being like that than just the few minority stupid fans that they do attract. And I get that that's been their whole point, hasn't it? But I don't think that's sustainable in the long run. I mean, we'll see. And I think you'll see more of that start to creep out as this as this carries on. So if I if <clears throat> if Greg Norman came to you and said, George. I've heard you wanging on about Live Golf on this <laughs> podcast over and over again. What do I need to do to make Live Golf better next year? Just give me three ideas that I can implement. What would they be? Sure. Well, I think one of the big problems is the whole. It's a going to be. It's a set roster, right? Forty-eight man, and there's like no sort of way in and out. So I think for me, the big thing they need to put in is some sort of ladder. Because at the minute, it's so ambiguous, isn't it, about how... Because that's like one thing for the rankings is, that, oh, well, there's no way of developing and getting in and out. And they're trying to say it is, but they haven't actually put forward that, have they? So they need to put forward that. So this is me putting forward that. There should be a thing with... Obviously, they're like linked to the Asian tour where... And it needs to be team orientated, doesn't it? But yeah, there should be a thing where, like, you have qualifiers for every event, probably from the Asian tour or whatever. And, like, I think, like, there should be, like, a team should be added every... Like, a qualify... There should be a qualifying team as like a 13th team or 14th team or whatever and they there should be like four qualifiers that come in every every event and then like they're vying for their space on the tour as well and then you've got like motivation to, from the asian tour ever to put that in um and then you've got you know four different guys coming in every week and just might make it a bit more exciting you need you can't freeze you can't freeze out the rest of the golfing world like they're doing can you i think that's a big problem and there needs to be something where there's like I'm not sure the ins and outs, but there needs to be some sort of qualification thing, whether that's like bringing people in and out like that. Um, I don't I don't think they want that. And I don't think they ever have. I think they've that that New Yorker piece all but confirmed summed it up, yeah. our suspicions that all they wanted was the best players in the world. And they would they didn't care how much money it was going to cost. They, yeah. I, don't, I, I think the whole thing with the Asian tour, with the, this ludicrous MENA tour alliance, <laughs> I, it, it's all just because it's all just come from them going oh fine all right okay it's like it's almost like a stroppy child isn't it where you try to reason with them so like, fine mm. i'll do it like i'll do what you say like oh sharp i hate you i think as well they obviously they need to just build on the team aspect um they need to simplify it so even the team championship this weekend it was so to the just casual viewer tuning in you had match play going on, then you had stroke play, then you had combined score. Even when I tune in on like a Sunday sometimes, the team stuff is so confusing. A, it feels secondary to the individual stuff. And B, it's like I'm trying to work out what's actually going on here because on one day it's like the average scores, isn't it? Then it's like the total scores. Far too confusing. So they need to simplify the team aspect, perhaps put in more match play, I think. I think like, for example, on Friday, brilliant. Phil Mickelson against um, Cam Smith in a match play. 
and it brought the best out of Phil Mickelson again. You know, I know he's had a bit of a resurgence the last few events, but it brought the best out of him. He had Cam, Cam Smith shooting miles on though. But you're thinking, when are we ever going to get a chance to see those two go at it in match play? And we had it. So that's surely they they should see that now and be like, okay, that's like huge potential there, isn't it? And I think, and it's always a debate that's going on in golf, or is there's not enough match play? And I know people say there's not enough match play because it's you know it's pretty it's pretty tough to do, isn't it? Because you need more days, you need you know winning participants. Yeah, we've seen with the the one on the PJ Tour, not a lot of people want to do it, but Live have the ultimate freedom to do that. There's no, they haven't got the obstacles for match play that you know the PJ Tour has, for example. So I think they need to put more match play events in. I'm not sure how they're going to do that, and it'll probably tie into them actually making the team aspect central to this uh, project because I think, it, like you mentioned, it probably does need to be, doesn't it? Um, so I'd like to see more match play. I'd like to see a ladder where qualifiers can come in. Um, I think that's a big one. Uh, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of chopping and changing, isn't there? Um, and a lot of that is also going to have to do with the rankings, isn't it? They're going to have to do something, I think, to force the hand again. You know, the the meaner thing was obviously this this arrogant ploy, wasn't it? To, but really, they've got to actually look at it and go, you know what? We're probably going to have to change. We're going to have to make some, at least one drastic change, whether that's qualifying, whether that's format, whether that's cut, something. Something's going to have to budge. Um, unfortunately, because and we'll get on to live rumours in a minute because as well. And this is sort of a it's been a help and a hindrance to live, I would say. But part of what's made live so intriguing this year has been oh, who's going to join next. Right. That's been like the big one um, that ran its cause two events ago, didn't it? It sort of ended because it, it was like already they had their their set field for the last few events. and It was a bit like, oh, well, it's a bit boring now. The intrigue's gone. Um they're going to want that back next year. And there's been talk of players coming and going, but players are not, I think that they've sort of, they've lured in everyone they can based on money. Right. So now what's the second thing that they're going to use to lure people in? It, obviously it's world ranking points without that. They can't lure any more in without luring anyone more in that whole spectacle. And that intrigue is lost. Um, and to get the ranking points, they need to change something. It will never not make me laugh that they've gone we should have owgr this is again this is just like you get the dregs of social media saying well why shouldn't they have owgr because that's not how it works i said this a couple of weeks ago it's you can't just start a new football club and go i want to play in the premier league you just can't do that that's yeah. not how it works there, there are there are processes you have to go through and it's quite simple now o, owgr are absolutely loving it at the moment because they they can easily bat it back and just go you're not meeting this 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 in our criteria just having the best players in the world like i said like just to further my football analogy saudi arabia couldn't start a football club and then just buy messi and ronaldo and and mbappe and etc and then just go right these guys are good enough to play in the premier league so we should be in the premier league no that's not how it works you start at the very bottom of whichever country you've decided to set your team up in it's the same thing and it has been it's actually been quite humorous because they you, you've seen that we've seen a lot of toy throwing about it and then obviously owgr are just going shrugging they want they they want more toy throwing don't they that's like perfect for them that's almost like music there is a bit the ones that don't want it um it's almost giving them more of a reason to stop it but yeah i, I mean i was gonna ask you are they gonna are they gonna are they gonna budge like because people I, I've, I've seen various people say that even the 54 hole stuff and the shotgun 
it was all just temporary to like make a bit of noise and be disruptive but really in the long run they might just end up going back to a normal format a because then the noise is is worn off and it's just whatever and b to get that world ranking status We've and it would be quite the u-turn wouldn't it but We've been over this. They can't change their name to LXX. No, no, they can't. I suspect the 54 hole thing won't be a problem because there are 54 hole tournaments. That's staying, yeah, and that's their name, isn't it? Who are OWGR accredited. I think the format could be a problem. The certainly the not having an open way of qualifying for live is a is a problem. Now, whether or not having 48 players for an entire year or set a set 48 for an entire year which then changes at the end of the year whether that satisfies i don't know look i i don't know the intricate details of how owgr works and i'm certainly not going to pretend to know or or even try to work it out but the answer is just simple if they don't meet the criteria i don't i get i don't have a if they if they get if they stick with 54 holes and they get OWGR points, fine. Maybe it will just work out on some sort of basis where they get 75% of what a PGA Tour event would get or a 72-hole event would mm-hmm. get, sorry. But yeah, I, I suspect the format will be an issue. Certainly the qualification, the lack of qualification process will be an issue. I I sort of want them to meet the criteria and meet the standards of OWGR because it, A, it would end one of the most boring discussions that's ever darkened our sport. And also, it would mean that some of the world's best players, like the Cam Smiths of the world, would be in their rightful position in the world rankings. Because because Cam Smith eventually, probably by this time next year, let's assume. Well, it's going to be too late, isn't it? Well, he's going he's to be down in the 30s or 40s, isn't it? And that's just not where he is in terms of the best players in the world, is it? So, um, I just I just want an OWGR that represents who the best players in the world is. I mean, this this stuff last week, I mean, the, there was actually people discussing and saying that Rory McIlroy shouldn't have been world number one because of Cam Smith. And then they just got shot down by people going, well, OK, these are Cam Smith's results on live. They wouldn't have had him anywhere near McIlroy. Uh, so it's just uh, this is why I hate it's, how... it's just start. It's just starting needless, boring arguments, particularly on social. I mean, this is the world we live in now, isn't it? People have people have got a voice because they've got social media and they're going to use it. And usually they humiliate themselves. Do you know what Liv needs? Liv needs more fans like me. That's part of the problem, right? Because they're just so one way, aren't they? And they make it more divisive. And like, you're just never going to like if the Liv fans, the core Liv fans basically give the rest of the golfing world an excuse not to like Liv, right? If they're all like me. That's a bit of reason. A, yeah, I, I sort of agree with what you're saying. Because that's part of the problem, and that's see, and as you always see, I know social media's an exaggeration, isn't it, to an extent? But like you just see the way they are on there, and it just turns people off, and then you just like, and it just gets, it just creates more tension. It's just like ah, oh. and then the, the play, and then the players, even the players feed into it, don't they? And then it's just a con, it just, it just get, it gets even worse. It's like just, just chill. Like if they're all, if they were all like me, you wouldn't be getting this nonsense, partly. This is just the world we live in, though, isn't it? Like you're either oh. you're sort of either right or you're left, whether it's politics yeah. or sport or whatever. You're either one side or the other. There's very few people who look at Brexit and go, OK, well, I can see the benefits of leaving the European Union, but I can also see the benefits of being in. And I'm sort of down the middle about it. You're either one side or the other. Yeah. Trump. Trump versus Biden you're either one side or the other it's just the way it is and and live golf's the same like people there are very few people like you who are golf obsessive have watched DP World Tour PGA Tour LPGA for their entire lives 
and that's just how it's always been but oh there's this new thing coming along actually it's quite interesting i'm going to follow yeah. it it's all see i'd love to speak to one of these full-on live fanboys and just say to them not i'm not talking about the obvious bots that have been created by yeah. someone that works for live i'm talking about people who genuinely are proper live fanboys and just at the just laying into the pga tour whenever they can what were they doing before live were they pga tour fans like that's what i, I want to talk that's to true, one of them. Yeah. next time i see one on twitter i might just slide into his because it is a man let's face it i'm going to slide <laughs> into his dms and just say like dude what did you do before that but there are like i said we live in this world now where everyone has a voice because everyone can have a twitter account and what brings with that is a horrific takes on just about everything and b divisiveness and yeah. like somehow that's happened to golf so you mentioned there the rumors and, and in fact these are two names that have been linked with live since the start patrick cantley and xander chauffelet are two names that are cropping up again for the coming season what is your research sprung on that so i mean and it's it's all come off uh, murmurs from live golf miami which obviously took place on the weekend so apparently all the sources and there was a to be fair there was a the, the main source came from the guardian so it was fairly you know a respectable source it wasn't you know just like one of these random twitter accounts that you see um and and they were at the they were at the event with accreditation and it was those two names have come off just you know murmurs coming going around and from people higher up in the live hierarchy and, and i guess to an extent the players they want so you know i think it is a fairly credible rumor so we've got those two names and i think from what i gather and i mentioned it earlier that the hindrance for them is the world ranking points i think from from the rumors i read and from the report i read it was making out as if like if live can sort this out and get world ranking points they're two players that will be joining and that would be massive because currently right now we're what world number four in Cantley and i think chauffeur is eight or nine isn't he so you've got two players in the world top 10 there which has been a big one for them. I mean, we saw how massive it was when they got Cam Smith in. They would be two massive ones. They would be two big losses for the PGA Tour. Now, whether the rumour does have substance, I'm not sure. But you've got to think if it is just a world-ranking hindrance that the, the rumour is a bit credible because I know if I was a player, all this money is getting thrown my way, but then there's the ranking hindrance. Well, that you know, I'm not going to join. But suddenly if the rankings get sorted and you can play in the majors, which we'll also get onto in a minute, why would you not go? If you get ranking points, you could play in the majors. I just, I, for me, and maybe that's, you know, that's that's quite narrow-minded because we've talked about it before in terms of the, there's all the PGA Tour events that have so much history to them. Um, and, you know, players want to win Jack Nicklaus's event and they want to win Arnold Palmer's event and they want to win the players. And there's all these great events. So there is that side to it. But I'm just thinking, why would you not go if you're getting all this money and then all the obstacles that were hindering you from going are suddenly not an obstacle? it's going to be tough for them not to go. So yeah, Cantley and Chauffeur are the two names. I also saw there was a few other names, wasn't there, on there. Um, I mean, I published it in RP, so I can mention it as well. Apparently, they want some more Euro European names as well because, you know, they're going for the team aspect and they want team identities. They want the Aussie team. They want the English team, whatnot. And I think they're lacking some European presence right now, aren't they? They've got the Spanish guys, but they're lacking something. So I saw, I think Thomas Peters was one name that was on there. Um, and there, there was a few more. I mean, Fleetwood's still knocking around, but that's never going to happen, I don't think. He's been quite... His stance has been quite uh, reiterated, hasn't it? Um, 
It's strange but, that his name keeps popping up, isn't it? I know, it is weird. Given that he has dismissed it a lot. Even his wife was having none of it, wasn't she, on Twitter? But yeah, so there's been more names going around, and, and there will be because, you know, th- this was their pilot season. Next year is going to be their big breakthrough, I think their big breakthrough season in terms of the team elements, and they want to get those teams nailed down. You know, the usual names popped up again that, you know, like Adam Scott's of this world, because I think for for Norman, he really wants that big Aussie team, doesn't he? And I was I was reading that Cam Smith's obviously their main man. Leishman has been awful in the live events. Like, he's placed near the bottom basically every event and the other guys i think ormsby he's paid in every single event and like i was doing like the updating our live money list which you can check out on nationalclubgolfer.com um yeah uh he's like right near the bottom but he's paid every single event the only money he has picked up has been from when his team have come in so you've got like the, the teams that they really wanted to make a thing like the aussie teams and whatnot they're not performing so i think we're gonna see some efforts and it's using the law i think i read that and whether this is true or not i read they've they've spent close to a billion getting this up and running this year right and before 2023 they basically they're going to make it almost two billion so they've still got this pool of money that they're going to really now put in to seal some more players so they can then have all these teams because the team thing is really going to what they're going to p- try and push next season I think first of all you're saying why wouldn't they go well because there are people like Roy McIlroy and Justin Thomas who a have some morals and b understand the role that the Europe DP World Tour European Tour PGA Tour and whatever have played in their mm. development fair enough yeah and not only that for every the, the PGA Tour and to the DP World Tour to a lesser extent have incredible records of developing the best talent in the world for every Cameron Smith there's a Scotty Scheffler for every Phil Mickelson there's a, a Sam Burns for every Brooks Kepka there's a Wills Alatoris you know there are there are players coming through that's never going to be a problem there's always going to be mm. world-class talent coming through and to be honest with you if if no one's watching live golf which the YouTube numbers are sort of suggesting that no one is. It's a bit like if a tree falls in a woods, does anyone, no one's around to hear it? Does it make any noise? Like, it's a bit like that, isn't it? If Cameron Smith yeah. playing golf and no one's watching, is he actually playing golf? I'm I'm not worried about that in any way, shape or form. And again, I've, I've had the attitude the whole time, if will Patrick Cantlay and Xander Schauffele going to live golf affect me in any way, shape or form? No, not at all. Patrick Cantlay is a very good golfer. But I'm not watching a PGA Tour event going, God, I wish Cantley was playing. <laughs> it's just not happening, is it? Yeah. No, you think you're right. What it's gonna it would be a big move because of in terms of like status thing, wouldn't it? Because they're two top ten players. It would be a big move for that. I, I think you're right. It wouldn't be a it would obviously be a loss, but in the long run it wouldn't be because you I mean you've just mentioned it. And look at all the rookies that have come through this year on the PGA tour. Um, and that will continue to come through. Well, the emergence of Hovland and Burns and Zalatoris in yeah. the last couple of years is, is mm. testament to that, isn't it? Yeah. So they, so Mickelson joined the TV studio last night very briefly and said, you know, they asked him about next year. He said, well, we're going to be playing 14 events plus, and then he tapped on the table as in like a knock wood kind of thing. He said, plus the four majors. Now that's 18 events. I mean, these guys keep wanging on about how they want to go there to play less golf. And I know it's like the cliche now, but 18 events is probably about the same as what Mickelson. I I haven't done the research, but 
I remember doing it for Patrick Reed. Yeah, think, the top guys, yeah. But like the last five seasons before he went to live, he played something around 20 events or 22 events. So he's not really playing much less golf than he was before. Now, I don't really want to get into that too much, but I am very, very interested with the Open and the RNA, what they said over the weekend. So there was a really good interview with Martin Slumbers, the chief executive of the RNA. And he said, we're not going to betray 150 years worth of history which isn't as correct, is it? Because obviously the Open's been going for longer than that. There's just been 150 editions. But <laughs> have a word. But he said he's basically saying, I'm looking forward to Cam Smith teeing up at Hoylake next year. Exactly. And I mean, and he said, didn't he, with the Open, if you if you st- if you start to ban players or you start to bring in these stipulations, it's not it's called the Open, isn't it? And and I yeah. think it was a great it was a great interview. Um, we all want the best players, so it was it was refreshing to hear. My stance my stance on that hasn't changed. Is the majors and the Ryder Cups? I just want the best players there. I don't care what tour they play on. I want the best players competing for those. And I have that even when players are injured. When Tiger Woods was in his prime and he missed a major because he was injured, there's always that little niggling thing in the back of your brain going, "Oh, Tiger probably would have won if he was fit." Oh, I'd be and think and we we mentioned it earlier. Like th- think if like live players can play all the live fans like oh, yeah, say exactly. like, well, Rory McIlroy like, won, won the Open on like twenty under they'd be like oh well yeah. you know put an asterisk next to yeah. Rory McIlroy's <laughs> fifth asterisk. major because Cam Smith and Dustin Johnson it's like won. like when Liverpool won the league with COVID ah no it's not <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't count doesn't Liverpool count. Liverpool haven't won the league since nineteen eighty no correct so it doesn't, doesn't count well I'm glad we're in agreement on that because just want the best players playing those tournaments. Uh, and I mentioned the Ryder Cup there, so let's let's get off of live for the love of God, for the live of God. No, yeah, not, not. that's terrible. Luke Donald, European captain, is a very happy bunny. Jordan Smith won the Portugal Masters, and Seamus Power, Thomas Detry, won two in yeah, Bermuda. One, two. So he tweeted, say with all three of those players, saying this is absolutely brilliant. European golf's in a very good place. How many of those realistically are in the running for a Ryder Cup spot? Oh, only power, sadly. Dietrich's been great. I mean, this is Dietrich's uh, rookie season now, isn't it, on the PGA Tour? And I think he only got in because of all the, the six live guys that left. So he sort of, it would take something amazing for someone like him to, to, to get in. But power's a real one. I mean, he was brilliant last year, Seamus Power. I think because he's maybe not as flashy as some of the other guys out there. And, you know, he, he does play all his golf on the PGA Tour. He's a bit understated, isn't he? You forget about him. Um, yeah, you're right. He He... He was someone who I was just flicking through his resume from last year and he has gone under the radar because yeah. he's, been, he's been absolutely fantastic. He had three top fives, a couple more inside the top 10, a handful of top 20s, tied 27 in his Masters debut, tied ninth in his PGA debut, tied 12th in his US Open debut, missed the cut of the Open, but linked golf in it. He must be thinking, right, get myself in the team for the Ryder Cup, establish myself as a Ryder Cup player. Yeah. Absolute dream come true in 2027, representing Team Europe in Ireland. A demo, yeah. Get him on the plane, get him on the plane. Yeah, I'm all for it. And I love that he has on his shirt, he has his own name, doesn't he? I think it's a sponsor, but he has power. There's like a company <laughs> called Power that sponsor him. So he wears power on his chest. That's this big man. And also he's, he's 35 or 36, isn't he? Like he's not, he's not someone, I, I keep thinking of him of, because he seems like to a have young exploded so late. Yeah, I sort of keep thinking of him. I mean, what is he now? He must be top 30 in the world now. Yeah. I'm just going to look that up. He is 32nd in the world now after that win in Bermuda. So, you know, and this at the age of 35, it's incredible, really, isn't it? You sort of think, if you had said to me, 
maybe I don't know, maybe at the start of the season, if you'd gone, how old Seamus Power? And I just looked at his record for last year, I'd probably gone 22, 23. <laughs> yeah, well, he because really I think he came out, I remember reading, he came out of college, which, God, I mean, guess someone like him would have been, what, 10 years ago now, whatever, more than that. And he just played the mini tours over in America for like years. He was, you know, I guess struggling and eventually made it onto the web.com, which is now the uh, the corn ferry. So he just grinded it out like. And to be honest, someone like that, you almost want a player like that in the Ryder Cup, don't you? You know, he, he he's proven that. And I don't like when people say, you know, like natural talent and all that. Everyone's obviously worked hard to get to where they've got to. But he's like a proper grinder and someone that's just worked as it worked as it worked at it. And now he's getting the rewards like. Luke Donald must look at someone like that and be like, that's the exact type of guy that I want in my team. You can sort of picture power just turning up, not really giving a damn, just yeah. like, yeah, Ryder Cup, whatever. Just this for me, it's just another golf tournament. And then goes out and smashes Justin Thomas like nine and eight or something. You can just sort yeah. of see that happening, can't you? That's it. And I could see a little, I mean, obviously you've got Shane Lowry in there, haven't you? Um, and they're pretty good buddies. He was tweeting him after the win yesterday. So you could see those two being a nice pairing, couldn't you? I know Lowry's been with McElroy before, hasn't he? And McElroy's lost all his mates in the Ryder Cup too, so he's <laughs> so probably going to need Shane. But uh, yeah, you could see, could see sort of a power-Lowry combination there, couldn't you? We'll see. There's a lot of golf to be played. I feel like every week on this podcast, we're mentioning a new European player who could be in the running, which is great, isn't it? And great for Donald. Well, you're still going to have, you're going to have every, every, every week on the DP world, you're going to have a new European player and we have to assess their chances. Well, and, and, and that's the thing. And we're saying this and I'm, I'm sort of caught in between whether we, we have got this great problem, whether it's just because we are struggling a bit for those last few spots that we're just like any name that we see, we're like, oh, you know, which maybe isn't a good way of looking at it, is it? And perhaps we are doing that because of that, but um, I don't know, we'll see. There's a lot of golf to be played and it, it's exciting because it is like a rebuild, isn't it? And you, you're intrigued to see who's going to make it and who's going to make an impression. Well, I think that's the thing that's working perhaps against power because it is a transition period for Team Europe. It is, as you call it, a rebuild. And maybe his age, I mean, he'll be 30, well, he'll be he'll be 40 by the time Adair Manor rolls around. Like is is Luke Donald and and <clears throat> and Ryder Cup Europe and the powers that be thinking well maybe this is someone that we should look past because he's not it's not exactly like he's experienced in the Ryder Cup so he can't come in as that like wily veteran in kind of like a Lee Westwood role can he because he's got no experience he'd be a rookie this year if he make uh, sorry next year if he makes it while we're talking about the Ryder Cup and I think this will be the last thing because we've been yabbing on for ages. We have, yeah. Time flies when you're having live fun, doesn't it? Time flies when you're living your life. You're living it up. Let's cut out these live puns. So yeah, Halton Park is back on the table as a potential Ryder Cup host for 2031. This has been a really interesting development for me because not only as someone who is a Ryder Cup obsessive, but because it's easy content. Um, no. So if you haven't been following it closely, the developers, Peel LMP, want to build a golf course on the Houghton Park estate in Lancashire, just outside Bolton. Now, they've told us that it will have a, so I think it was £1.6 billion uplift in the economy. It will obviously bring a world class sporting destination to a part of the world that doesn't really have that. They want to build a Ryder Cup venue and there's going to be a massive development, including homes and primary schools and shops. And it's going to be a big community thing. They face backlash from nearby residents, which is completely understandable because 
any developer in any part of the country or any part of the world wants to build somewhere, they're going to get backlash from people, from locals. That sort of comes with the territory. In fact, last time I wrote about it, my inbox was absolutely flooded with people saying why it was such a bad idea. And I had to send a series of very polite replies. <laughs> Their biggest gripe is that Peel are using the Ryder Cup as, as a smokescreen to build housing, because obviously with housing comes great profit. Now, the plans were dismissed by Bolton Council, who voted 15 to 1 against building a golf course, saying it would devastate a large area of land and describing it as window dressing in a vanity project. Those are direct quotes. But now a public inquiry has looked at Peel's revised plans and said they should not have been rejected. I wrote a piece last week saying, does the UK, does England really need another 7,000 yard parkland golf course? Probably not. This is this is the big thing for me. It's not a criticism of Peel in any way, shape or form. They've obviously got a sound idea and they want to use one of the biggest sporting occasions in order to get help get it across the line it's more an indictment of, for me of what the Ryder Cup has become and that is a commercial entity the Ryder Cup is not going to the Gantons and the Walton Heaths of the world anymore because those clubs they can't afford it they almost certainly don't have the infrastructure to to host a Ryder Cup so it's going to places like Marco Simone in Italy it's going to Le Golf National in Paris I'm not necessarily saying that those places shouldn't have got it, but I did sort of, I did half argue that what, what have Italy and France given to the Ryder Cup in the last X amount of years to deserve hosting the Ryder Cup? When you compare the record of their players to, say, Northern Ireland or Sweden, again, I'm going to just repeat this to reiterate it. This isn't a criticism of the developers in any way, shape or form, but it, it just strikes me that sometimes they just went people are building a new golf course they just go it needs to be 7500 yards it needs to be a slog it needs to have loads of water it needs to be really difficult for the golfer this is sort of a weird thing we have in golf isn't it you you, you go on any golf website and you see 210 yard par threes and you see long par fours described with phrases like devilishly difficult and things <laughs> like that and you're thinking i don't want that in a golf course i want to be able to show up and play a really nice golf course which isn't going to leave me feeling like I've had the shit kicked out of me for the last four and a half hours. And that that is what is happening at the moment. When they build these new golf courses, there's a certain element of it. So it's, it's almost like my dad's bigger than your dad. Kind yeah. of thing. Oh, well, they've built this seven and a half thousand yard course over here. So we need to do that over here as well. No, if you're building a new golf course, it should be about growing the game. It should be about the community. It should be about getting people in, whether they're plus five handicap or a 35 handicap you should be you should be wanting to get young people playing you should be wanting to get families in people should be i went to dunbarney brand new golf course few solid holes big gorgeous open fairways 40 yard wide fairways you're standing on the first tee you are they ask for your handicap and then they tell you what tees to play off based on that handicap there's none of this macho walking yeah. or should we play off the back two should we play 7,800 yards no because I don't want to hit drive a three wood every hole I sometimes want to hit a nice drive and then be rewarded with a wedge into the green because we're not good at golf we just want to hit a nice drive and be thinking oh I'm on a par four I've got nothing longer than an eight iron in my hand now and I've got a chance to hit the green and make par because that's what makes us feel good I don't want to hit driver and then be left with a three wood left into a par four. 
because that's just it's just boring if anyone from peel is listening please come on and chat to us about this project because i'd absolutely love to have you on because it's got to be about building the community it's got to be about growing the game now i understand why the Ryder cup is a big deal for that now if you're a kid in bolton and you've gone to the Ryder cup in 2031 and you've watched rory McIlroy captain the european team to victory with all these amazing young talent for the rest of their lives they're going to be going the Ryder cup was right on my doorstep where i grew up in in lancashire and i watched the best players in the world there's no limit to how many players or how many kids that could get into golf. I've played Ryder Cup golf courses, like golf courses that are built specifically for the Ryder Cup. And I've gone there and I've just been beaten up by it. And I've gone, well, what, what is this doing for the game? Like, it's not doing anything. People get yeah. to come and play these golf courses and go, oh, yeah, I saw Tiger Woods play here. I saw Rory McIlroy play here. I've, had, I've just been kicked in for the last four and a half hours. And it just actually wasn't that fun. When I reflect on it, it wasn't that fun at all. I went to the Golf National, played it off the whatever tees I had to play off. And it's and it just I was just like it just wasn't fun. It's a yeah, lovely yeah. golf course and it was nice to have that feeling of playing on a golf course where some of the best players in the world have played in the greatest golf tournament. But I just spent four and a half hours going, Oh, I feel like I've just been beaten up. It's just not really that fun. And there is a way of doing that without detracting people from wanting to play this sport. And and there's obviously there's obviously things around that as well. You can have a driving range. There's Top Golf is a wonderful example of a driving range. If you go to Top Golf or if you follow Top Golf on social media and you see their images and the videos they put out, there are people there that have just never picked up a golf club in their life because they want to go. You can have a couple of beers, you can have some good some burgers and some good food. It all gets brought to you. It's all fun. There's targets and things you can aim at and it's just good fun and people who aren't golfers go to these things crazy golf mini golf the families go along it's got to be an all-encompassing thing for the community and for and not only for the community but for the north as a whole you know the government keep wanging on about leveling up there's nothing more leveling up than having this wonderful arena which is for the community for the north in general now, I'm an adopted northerner, so I've got to celebrate this fact and I've got to cheerlead this. But if it's just going to be another 7,500 yard parkland golf course and they are just using it as a smokescreen to build housing. No, move away from that. And like I said, if anyone's listening from Peel and I will try, I will contact Peel and I'll try and get someone to talk to because I'm, I'm really interested in this project and I want to hear from someone about it. But we hear so much about growing the game. And, and for me, there are easy ways to grow the game and there are ways of doing it respectfully for people who live in and around the area where you're doing it as well. And with them in mind. Agreed. I think that, again, from purely from a golf related and a selfish perspective, mm. I just I want to ride a cup in England again. Yeah. Or, or well, I mean, the UK, I mean, the, the Glen Eagles and the Celtic Manor Ryder Cups were fantastic. We haven't had one in England since 2002 at the Belfry. The Belfry. I think that was the last one, wasn't it? So yeah. by the time 2031 rolls around, and which is looking like the next time we're going to have one in England, because obviously the next two are, are booked out, I think there is one European course. So I think it's down to this unbuilt Halton Park project, the London Club, which is in Kent, and a European venue. I think it's down to those three, isn't it, if my, if my understanding is correct. So it is looking like a pretty good chance that we will have a Ryder Cup in England and it will be 29 years on from the last time it was there. Now, that's that's a long time to go without a Ryder Cup in what is essentially the birthplace of the Ryder Cup, isn't it? But like I said, 
there are plenty of other countries around Europe that deserve the chance to host it. You know, Sweden, absolutely. For, for what Sweden has contributed to the Ryder Cup down the years, absolutely deserves to have a Ryder Cup. For what Northern Ireland has contributed to the Ryder Cup down the years, absolutely deserves a Ryder Cup. Over to you, Ryder Cup Europe, I guess. Exactly that. Yeah. Should we leave it there? Because we've been talking for ages and most of it was about live, which I didn't want to do. But you forced me. I didn't do anything. <laughs> didn't do anything. No, it was a good chat. We all still here, but yeah, we recap the season pretty well. Some good talking points. We go again next week, Alex. All right, George. I appreciate that. Well, there we go then. Well, it's ten past one. My stomach's growling. I'll see you later.